Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Ready to Mosh. I'm Kev P. And alongside me is the down to my sickness. It's Gem G. Down to your sickness. Okay. What? Just wasn't expecting that one. Well, I'd think something on the spot, so. Yeah, it's just normally topical, isn't it? Yeah. Not this week. Seasonal. It's just random. Related. Yeah. Anyway, in this episode, we spoke to Rob from Yersin. Uh, Yersin are a band from uh, the Northeast. We had a chat, obviously, uh, about the history of the band, all of that kind of stuff, the quickfire round. And we spoke about their new album that they've got coming out in a couple of days, I think it is. And it's called The Scythe is Remorseless. Let's go give that a listen. And here's the interview. Okay, so we are joined today by Rob from Yersin. How are you doing, Rob? Very good, yes. Uh, thank, as I said, thank you very much for having us on. It's uh, much appreciated. I'm looking forward to doing the podcast. You're welcome. So to start with then, can you just tell us a little bit about kind of your background, how it all started for the band? Well, uh, it's the most uh, unusual background for a band that's as, possibly as heavy as we are, but we started as a tribute band for my dad's 65th birthday party. We played uh, Born to be Wild, and we played, uh, what else did we play? Paranoid by Black Sabbath. And uh, there was one more, uh, um, Highway to Hell by ACDC. So it's not the most uh, black metal of starts for a band, but uh, we got together to just do some uh, cover songs, and then we thought afterwards that. Let's have a bit of fun, let's do some things that we should be doing. So that kind of developed from that. And you guys initially started as a four-piece. And but now you're a three-piece, so was that an easy or a difficult transition? It was a necessary transition, but uh, I consider the start of the band truly to be in like 2020 during lockdown, because up until that point, I had like a passion for music, but uh, I don't know what we were doing, we were just messing around. But then when like COVID started, and I had to like reevaluate myself. What's actually important, and like, music was incredibly important for myself. So that's when the real push started. Uh, lost a bass player, doesn't matter. I can play both at the same time. It's not a real big issue for me. So, and then it's just all kind of came together since. We've always been a sort of part-time band anyway, due to work and family and stuff like that. But uh, I would say that... But, the day the band truly started was the first day of lockdown, and then everything else came along since. So that's the that's the start. I would say. But yes, uh, we may get a bass player in the future. We may not, but it doesn't matter at this moment in time. When you're playing as basic stuff as we are, you don't really need an expert bassist to join in. So it's um it's usually been the drummer uh, drummer that um people have kind of started to skip now, isn't it? Yeah, the last couple of bands really we spoke to, haven't they? They kind of lost drummers and replaced drummers. But but never a bassist. No. <laughs> drum machines? Yes. Have you with drum machines? Oh, well, apart from Mortician, who I still think uses a drummer live, I, I can hear, a, not to disparage anyone else, but you can hear a, dr- a drum machine on a, on a recording. You kind of take, well, as I said, I'm not disparaging anyone, but... To know if the band's actually a functioning band is a big is a big issue for me. So, anyway, that's just only my opinion. So if, uh, <laughs> not, not to start uh, slandering people straight away. So <laughs> believe that. Who or what would you say are the main influences on the band? 
Well, we originally decided to become a grindcore band with very limited ideas of what was really grindcore, but still grindcore, which is super fast, um, uh, basic chords, like very quick songs and stuff. But since the the COVID rebirth, I think the true uh, influence has been like the big time Norwegian black metal bands like Immortal and uh, Satyricon. And then there's like the kind of Swedish death metal bands like Entombed, At the Gates. And then also like a, quite a bit of like Northeast, like Newcastle, Sunderland, punk rock as well, which is, it's, it's an odd mix. But uh, they are the major ones, like the old school bands, like uh, from Newcastle, Hell Bastard, and then there's Sunderland's version, Hell Crusher. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's some of the influences right there. But main, mainly Northern European extreme metal and then homegrown uh, hardcore punk with a little bit of ball throwing as well, because you can't go wrong with ball throwing. If you're making a, a metal pie, you might as well throw a bit of ball throwing as well. And what's the kind of process for you guys? Is it kind of music first, lyrics later? No, uh, lyrics has always been a little bit of a, a tricky point. But we used to we started off with like incredibly boorish, tongue in cheek type of stuff, and then we'll really only recently discovered that it's just kind of a little bit, and no one cares about that type of stuff. So. But at this moment, uh, it's just music first and lyrics, but we're trying to integrate it a little bit more. I mean, we've got the album coming out next week, but we've already started writing the next one. I mean, if anyone's interested or not, but we'll see who is interested in the one that's coming out. But we're going to try and integrate it a bit more coming because it, it, in the past it has felt a little slapdash, just like riff, 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 and then just like kind of try and get something to go over the top of it. So. That's the way it has been, the way it will be. I can't tell you, but uh, hopefully it will be a little bit more integrated. And you mentioned kind of some of the local influences on your music. What is the music scene generally like in the northeast at the moment? Well, it was dead. <laughs> but now it's, it's incredible, really. If I was to look back 10 years ago and think what was going on there, there was just cover bands, no venues in the northeast would really be interested in playing any uh, original music, never mind extreme independent music. But now, if you come forward to today, like I honestly listen to on my like, like say Spotify, the majority of the bands I listen to are, if not local, national. And so, in the local scene, it's just it's incredible. It's just um, it's something I was never because uh, I've been playing guitar and bands I started off playing what was it like System of the Down covers when I was getting 14 or something like that but you would not have imagined the quality of music in the northeast that is coming out now I mean not including myself I mean we accept ourselves as a total chances in the metal scene but uh, there's some legitimately fantastic bands and great venues uh, very supportive um Everything I grew up without, because when we start, when I started personally, it was everyone against everyone. Venues didn't want to pay you, promoters didn't want to have you, crowds didn't want to be there. But now in the northeast, like we played some shows that we put on ourselves, just like either for charity or for whatever, and it's just been absolutely rampant. 
people hanging from the ceiling. Like this, it's just been absolutely fantastic. So I cannot say enough how good the Northeast music scene is. Especially, well, I can't comment on the Northeast music scene in general, but the heavy music scene that I'm aware of, it's just absolutely fantastic. That's good. It's, it does seem we do we are starting to get a wave of kind of heavier music and venues sort of promoting and actually putting stuff out there now that like you say didn't exist 10 years ago and i think that was kind of like that was nationally yeah 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 it's it was a strange phenomenon and, and there's a lot more unity that i see now like for example i can go on like the bands instagram account and i've got friends with people that i've never met but in bands and like down south or up north or in America. And like it's generally supportive now, but it never used to be like that. So I, I couldn't tell you why or how this change was made, but it, I mean, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Right, we're going to move on to quickfire round. So we've got, I think that's seven questions for this one. So, um, these are all totally random. So, just whatever comes into your head, uh, just go with it. Right, we'll try. So, what's your favourite song that you've written so far? My favourite song, it was the second single of the latest album, Mouths Like Open Graves. It's just absolutely, uh, I love it. Even though it has been, uh, people said that sounds like uh, At The Gates Ripped Off, it doesn't matter, I still love it, so. That's my choice. And what song would be your theme tune? My theme tune? Okay. Um, my theme tune? <laughs> oh, God, I'm, uh, I'm withering under the lights there. My theme tune. Uh, we're going to go for Snowblind by Black Sabbath. Why not? That's uh, no comment further, but... Uh... <laughs> What's your favourite flavour of crisp? You've got to go knickknacks. I'm very uh, the king of crisps. The orange knickknacks. You get so much flavour. It's just the absolute perfect crisp. There's no crisp that come in comparison to it. I don't think anybody's ever said knickknack. Well, everyone's been wrong up until this point. Yeah, the knickknack. We've got the surface area flavour, price point, orange knickknack. You're in with the winner like that. Yeah, can't argue. What was the first gig that you watched? Uh, the first in in the flesh was Ozfest 2000, and the first band I saw was Rage and Speedhorn on the main stage. Oh, excellent! <laughs> I just I, like I was walking through the side gate, like my dad took us down. It was my dad and a couple of friends, and there was this just like. Obviously, we'd listen to like the Slipknot and the Mudvayne records on CD and stuff like that. But it was the absolute like visceral sound of like just a big band playing. I was just like from that moment, it was I just couldn't believe it. We saw Rage and Speedhorn, Ozfest 2000, Milton Keynes. That was fantastic. We did we did have tickets to see Napalm Death before that. Me and my friend picked up tickets to see Napalm Death at Northumbria Uni in Newcastle, but we were too scared to go. So that would have been the first one, but we bottled it. We were too scared to go. Oh, you should have taken the chance. Oh, I would have gone now, but uh, <laughs> I, well, we, it, was, it was the afternoon of the show. We had the tickets. I don't know. 
maybe maybe they weren't trembling in our hands. But, no, this is just too much for us. <laughs> what would be your dream tour lineup? So you can include yourselves on it if you want to. Oh well, uh, bands that are still going or bands that are, it, it's entirely up to you. It's your dream tour lineup. Well, my all-time favourite metal band. Nothing exciting, but it's got to be Slayer. So, if I could just share the stage with the King at some point, I would certainly love it. So, we're going to go Slayer, and then we'll go something a little bit left field. So, maybe something like Primus. Okay. And then, then something. Well, if we're going to go really, I really don't know if it's going to be a metal tune. Um, well, Priest. <laughs> so. I mean, I don't know how it would get booked for the tour of Slayer, Primus, Priest, and then Years, but that would be it. Uh, we'd, we'd probably play the, the outdoor toilets before the show started. Or something. <laughs> that would be the show. What's your favourite sandwich filling? Sandwich filling? Well, I would have said Coronation Chicken, but I've recently discovered... Well, I really like the all-day breakfast that you get from Little, don't you? Like triple pack. So, like, you've got... The scrambled egg and bacon, you've got the sausage, and then you've got, uh, oh, I couldn't tell you what the third is, maybe a mix and match of both, but I remember my wife told us like three weeks ago, she said, I can't believe how you eat those. I was like, what a sec. Supposedly it's this absolute vomit worthy having all that in the sandwich. I was like, that is my favorite sandwich. So prior 2015, I would have said coronation chicken, but now you've got to go with the rank, cold, all day breakfast sandwich for me. <laughs> If you were invisible for a day, what would you do? Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, what I would do, obviously, because what's expected from a man to say, I will not say. So <laughs> I will stay. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm really struggling to answer that one. Can I say pass and come back to me, please? And I'll think of another one. <laughs> what was the first album that you bought? Well, there's three. I can three is my first. It was my little adventure into music. Okay, my first one was this dance CD that my mum got us from Butlins or something when I was a kid. Right, and I used to listen to horrible dance music. I didn't know anything else. And then my next, what I thought was my first CD, was the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels soundtrack. And it, obviously, that's a little bit heavier than the. Now 63 or whatever it was. But then I went into Woolworths and I picked up, was it the, Never, uh, the Nirvana Live album from the Muddy Banks of uh, uh, Wisconsin? Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin. But I remember I bought that from Woolworths and that was my first grunge record. I thought it was metal at the time. So, I mean, Nirvana's got to be everyone my age's uh, first. Dipping the tour and uh, all ten. I mean, I mean, it's still good now. I can't say I listen to it, but I can't say it's a bad record. Maybe now sixty three or whatever it was, but uh, I think the Nirvana live album. So, yeah, I, th- I think the acoustic album's not actually dated. It still sounds pretty good. Mm. Um, in in utero as well, which is kind of like my yeah. Personal, I, had, I, had a, I had to listen to the remaster of that not so long ago, and I. As a young ear, when I was listening to that type of stuff, you just heard loud, quiet, loud, quiet. But as like I have a, a moderate, possible knowledge of like guitar production or guitar tone or 
just production of an album in general. They were really good. I mean, again, it's not my I cup of tea nowadays, but I, I can't disparage it. I can't say it's bad music. I mean, so, yeah, that was the Nirvana Live album from Woolworths. <laughs> Back to normal questions now. Okay. So, gonna move on and talk about the new album. The side is relent, remorseless. Sorry, trying again. Yeah. The side is remorseless. I get it wrong as well. I get it wrong. <laughs> Out on the tenth of January. So, yeah. album number two. Did the process change much from the first album recording this one? Yes. Well, we've had a. Uh, we said the first uh, the first album was written post-lockdown, well, the first album was written in an old ballet studio in Sunderland, like a dance-slash-ballet studio, went out of business during lockdown. So the first one was written there. The second one, this new one, half of it was written in an old travel agent in Sunderland, and the rest of it was uh, written on a computer at home. So that was, when I think of the different periods of the band, I think of the ballet studio, or the uh, the travel agents, the modern set. Uh, with regards to, oh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> and just really, how the process for album number two changed from the first album? It was a little bit more meticulous. Uh, hence, it's a lot shorter. I think it's only like twenty four minutes. And I mean, I still can't say. It's still not perfect for me, but I think you've got to go. Short because albums used to be what I've seen albums run times like 100 minutes, 60 minutes, and for an I'm not going to say emerging but a fledgling musical act such as yours, people aren't wanting to invest 50 60 minutes into a band that they don't know, they don't care about, especially with streaming and all the facilities available because. I don't know. There's a million heavy metal bands out there. You're not going to sit through 60 minutes like hoping it builds up. And so the main idea was just to cut it as ruthlessly as possible. So I mean, everyone used to say Rain and Blood was fast, but that uh, that was still six minutes longer than what we've done. So the main was just cut it to the bare bones and then just try to try to refine it as much as possible. And what can everybody expect from the new album? Well, um, again, brevity, but then also the production is fantastic. We went to a gentleman in Manchester, I don't know if you know him, No Studios, a gentleman called Joe Clayton. He's he's recorded, in all the seas, like the Will Putney of the UK. He's recorded uh, Master, Wallowin, uh um, my mind's gone back. It's just anyone who's anyone. So the production is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You're going to be getting kind of a Swedish death metal tone with a kind of hardcore punk attitude, really fast D beats, blast beats that have been slowed to still be heavy. So that's right. And a little bit atmospherics. We've got a little bit there. On one track, we have uh, our friend Bernie, who's a uh, an operatic singer, she lends a little bit to it. So people have mistaken it to be programmed keys, but it's actually a live vocal. So yeah, yeah, that's just a little taste of what it could be. And you recently released the 
single and video for the title track. Did you enjoy the process of making the video? No, not at all. It was horrendous. <laughs> Nothing but stress. Because uh, everything, I mean, obviously we've been gladly taken on by Trepanation Recordings, but still, like, the whole endeavour is largely independent. So, like, just the, the whole <laughs> Well, anyway, it wasn't enjoyable, but I'm glad it's been done. Even the outdoor shots, it was like World War One bottle of the summer. It would never stop raining in Sunderland around that point, like knee deep in rain. In the room that we did the band recordings, it was like a million degrees. I think um, Marley, our drummer, had a horrible sickness bug or something like that. It was just incredibly stressful. And uh, yeah, it just had to be done, I guess. So it, it certainly wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> So, are there any more singles from the album planned for release this year? No, uh, with the uh, well, uh, the album is out on the tenth of January, so no more singles. The album's coming out. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, start maybe release an EP or something towards the end of the day. the end of the year. If there's any interest, but you know that that is it for now. And in terms of format for the album, then as well as kind of standard download and CD, you've got vinyl and a limited edition cassette. What was the kind of decision about or behind releasing the cassette version? Um, well, that, um, we've also got CD as well. So uh, the CDs at this moment still haven't been made, but we should be expecting them soon. So uh, Dan uh, from the, the label offered a CD and uh, cassette, and then we'll work together a little bit with the vinyl as well. So. It was always a dream, like as a vinyl collector myself, like just to hold a vinyl record of your, of your own in your hands. I mean, now that I've got them, it's wondering if I'll ever sell them. I wonder if they'll be buried with us. <laughs> I mean, I've got these vinyl records now in the box, but uh, uh, the cassette—I've not—I've I've, I've collect cassettes, uh, and I've never listened to a single one of them. So. There seems to be a little bit of a market for like tangible media. Like, I can go on my phone and listen to anything there, but there's something about physically owning it that uh, I think that's what people. And the impracticality of the cassette, I, I don't know if that makes it more interesting. I don't know, but it, it, there's nothing more impractical now than cassette player. One, and one, like who walks around with a cassette player? Who has a cassette player in there? But I know people seem to like them. I like them, but I can't say I listen to that. Like them, so. and, and they do sound good. As um, as people that grow up with cassettes, they are just the most impractical, worst thing to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done it. I used to make uh, uh, mixtapes myself. Just uh, I even off stuff where you could record it off the TV, and I'd, oh, I used to love it, but just don't know how I got like. People growing up nowadays that have access to Spotify, Apple Music, they really do not know. Again, I'm sounding a million years old here, but uh, yeah, as someone, I, as someone that had discovered a CD player, well, I had a mini display at one point as well, which was absolutely revolutionary. But you still had to record it onto the mini disc, so it was just totally impractical again. But yeah, so I should have released it on mini disc. I'll have a look into <laughs> that right now. I said just do a very, very small batch of mini disc. And two, two mini discs. 
Yeah, see if it see if it picks up. <laughs> so, last off, where can everyone find you this year? Uh, on tour. Well, um, we've uh, okay, okay. Well, um, it should be fine because it's getting there on Monday, but. We're going on a nationwide tour with uh, Mastiff, another oh, excellent. Yeah. So we're all over. This is in March. We're like their main support. I, first things first, before I even met anyone in Mastiff, I thought they were the best band in the UK by far. And then somehow we've become buddies and that. So we're playing like Hull, Glasgow, Edinburgh, London, Bristol, Nottingham, Brighton, and I'm sure there's some more, but that's like the end of March. So that starts the 23rd of March and it finishes, I believe, the 31st of March. We're doing England, Scotland, Southern, no Wales, no one's, no one's booked this in there. So that's all we've got booked at this moment in time. But uh, that should be enough. We're getting around. First time in a van, uh, in a van multiple nights on the road. That was fantastic. We're big fans of Mastiff. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's great. It's great to get a slot support in them. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, there's more I could say, especially about the new record. I've heard it, and it is. Oh, well, I, I, I can't say it. I can't say it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. All I can say is we've been involved in a very slight way, and there's some awesome features on this record. To watch you, it's just unbelievable. This is brilliant stuff, anyway. Jim, if you're watching this, uh, shout it out, brother. I'll see you on the road. Fantastic. So, thanks once again, Rob, for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank, you, thank you very much for having me. That's all right. Make sure everybody goes and listens to the new Yersin album out on the 10th called The Scythe is Remorseless. Uh, listen to all the singles as well because they are absolutely incredible. And, Rob, thanks once again. Again, thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to that chat with Rob. As we've already mentioned, their new album, The Scythe is Remorseless, is out on the 10th of January, so go and check that out. And Rob also mentioned the dates where you can catch years in so far this year, but keep an eye out on their socials for any further dates. If you're interested in going and giving them a watch, just search for years in in the usual social places and you should find them. And if you want to give us a follow on our socials, we're on Instagram, Twitter or X and threads at Ready to Mosh Cast and Facebook, YouTube and TikTok at Ready to Mosh. Please give us a five star rating on wherever you're casting your pods and a nice little review and all of that. And we'll be back again soon with another episode. Make it mosh moog.